Africa State of Mind. Hey, welcome to another exciting episode of Africa State of Mind with your girl Lee Kasumba. And as you know by now, we are all about changing the narrative of Africa. So in this episode of Africa State of Mind, we're chatting to somebody who's changing the narrative not only of Africa but of the world as she goes about doing her thing. We're talking about none other than Catherine Constantides, who's a humanitarian and international climate and environment activist. I never grew up thinking I'm going to fight for environmental justice, I'm going to become a climate activist. I never thought of those things. I didn't even know what a climate activist was. Catherine also tells us why she thinks it's important that women should be owning farms in Africa. Women must own those farms. Women must be at the forefront of, you know, the the coffee industry, the cocoa industry, the tea industry, tobacco industries. They shouldn't just be the ones that are doing the work. And if you look across our continent, this is the narrative. And she's also called on political leaders to get young people involved in agriculture. If we could teach Africans to feed Africa, we could teach Africa to feed the world. And we have the most arable land on earth. And we just need the political will of leaders to invest in young people in agriculture so that we can take ownership of this space for the world. If you know of any great Africans doing awesome things and changing the narrative for the continent, and if you really would like us to feature them, please do tweet us at Africa State Mind and also join the Africa State of Mind Facebook group. Okay, right now though, let's go straight into the interview with Catherine Constantides. This is Africa State of Mind. My name is Lee Kasumba. I'm so um, happy to be having a conversation with my next guest. I need to do the proper introductions like I normally do because I never take it for granted when we have phenomenal people in studio, especially when they're phenomenal women. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that our planet is changing rapidly and not in a good way. I'm not so much talking about politics, although unfortunately, even climate has become political um, when all of the climate conversations have become political when all that it's about is really preserving the earth that we all share. My next guest seems to have been born woke. At the age of 16 she started a social entrepreneur company. She's um, the former Miss Earth and she's gorgeous. Um, She's the executive director of Miss Earth South Africa's leadership program. She's an international climate um, activist. She's a Mandela Washington fellow and Archbishop Tutu Oxford fellow and an ecopreneur. She's also um, you know really highly involved in food scarcity as an activist. She's a human and all-round extraordinary human being. Please help me welcome the amazing, I've been practicing this name, I've been practicing all, no, that's the wrong one, Catherine Constantinidis. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank Did you I so much. You right. got it on point. It's so lovely to hear my surname said right. Oh, that, I'm so excited. That's like made my day. Like I'm like the year can now finish. You have made my day. So right. thank you. Thank and you. It's such an honor to be here. It's really amazing. So nice to have you at Africa State of Mind. I just feel that everything that you're doing and everything that you're about is definitely um a representation of, you know, just people with the right kind of mindset in Africa. So congratulations in advance for all that you've already done, <laughs> you know, you. all the amazing stuff. So let's talk about how you actually got involved or interested in environmental, um, you know, issues, mainly because I think most, you know, as like young girls, people are playing with Kim, you know, they're trying to dream about <laughs> becoming a princess. Am I exposing myself? <laughs> you know, but what what is it that got you um, interested at such a young age? I think it's those informed of years of being a child Mm. where we grew up you know in a very humble home we had very little but what we had was was our entire world Mm. and 
I remember my fondest memories of time spent with my dad were in the garden. Oh, this wow. beautiful garden that he he admired and looked after so well. Yeah. And he instilled in us that we were the custodians of that very garden. And that garden extended to the natural environment around us. Mm-hmm. And he instilled in us a, a, a deep, immense responsibility that we had to take care of the earth. And I think that growing up, learning about the leaves, the flowers, the plants, the trees, um, by name, their leaves, understanding the beauty of this place that we get to call home yeah. um, we we grew up in a space where you know we we believed that there were fairies living in our flowers and <laughs> oh that's so <laughs> that, pretty you yeah. know my dad made up a beautiful bedtime stories about um, all the little creatures that lived in the garden that went to bed and the glowing earthworms and all these amazing magical things but it instilled in us this great responsibility so growing up it was really a progressive organic kind of journey to Mm. do the things that I did Mm. I never grew up thinking I'm going to fight for environmental justice I'm going to become a climate activist I never thought of those things I didn't even know what a climate activist was yet through the kind of life that we lived growing up as children, even though we didn't have a lot, I remember spending so much of our time as a family doing community service. I saw my parents drive through um, the worst parts of, of the CBD mm. at night on, you know, after and work at 10, 11 o'clock yes. in Johannesburg, okay. 10, 11 o'clock at night. And we'd hand out um, carloads of food that my dad had got. Mm. And, you know, there were times we may not have had food, but sure. we would hand out food yeah. and it was not what we did as a side thing or something we planned to put into our schedule it was our way of life yeah. so this kind of service to others was very much the kind of life we grew into or grew up in and I think that it really became the kind of space that we would then continue to operate in mm-hmm. so at the age of 16 I was passionate about certain community projects I was doing and was doing them after school and I sure. found an exciting way to be able to fundraise after school and to host events and to do different projects to make money to be able to look after those community projects and at a later stage what I didn't know at that time was that I would continue doing this kind of work to be able to maintain the kind of work I was doing Mm. and also to then be able to find a way uh, to to do the things I was passionate about Mm. and to to find a way to make a living and do those things that that I love doing. So the environment was really a natural organic progression into fighting for environmental justice and climate justice across our continent, a continent that I was always very exposed to as a young child and one where coming from a family that was very liberal in the way that we thought or how we were exposed to information and what was going on in the world, I really believe that South Africans are not as clued up on Africa as yep. we should be. Say that we again, live girl. in silos. Yeah. So I feel privileged to have mm. been brought up in a home where Africa was part of our territory and sure. we must learn about that space because we were a part of this great continent. Yeah. So I think that's where it all started. Now, you know, you mentioned about being a climate activist um, and you said not knowing what it really meant to be a climate activist. And I think a lot of people perhaps might not really know uh, what that means. And obviously when we look at what's happening around the world from the hurricanes to the droughts, severe droughts that we're experiencing and how, as you speak so passionately about Africa, I love that, how that really affects the average African person and we're not actually fully aware of it. You know, people are looking at 
working on policies like economic policies and everything, which is all well and good, but we also need to be fighting equally with regards to climate, you know. So what are your views on what's happening globally, um, you know, where uh, climate change is, is concerned and the conversations and deci- decisions being made by, you know, world leaders? And also how, you know, would you explain what a climate activist is? I think that you, you've hit the nail on the head. Power politics and policy are really important but just as important is giving a voice Mm. to what is actually going on and how we connect those things to communities on the ground being a climate activist for me really means that I champion issues around climate change. Mm. What is climate change? Mm. Sometimes we don't understand that we are indeed connected to the impacts of a changing environment. Mm -hmm. This can be from water, food security, You know, looking at extreme weather patterns, looking at water stewardship. In our own country right now, we're going through a horrific water, you know, a drought. It's absolutely terrible. 18 months to two years ago, we were going through the same drought here in Johannesburg. Mm. And I think it's important that as a climate activist, you champion these kinds of environmental Mm. causes and impacts, waste is something I'm very passionate Mm. about as well. Waste is linked to climate change. The kind of lives we live Mm. as society, dictated to us perhaps by a consumerism-driven world, a world where we want, 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 we want more, we want bigger, we want bigger. We have to to turn around that dream because Mm. bigger is not better. Making sure that we put more you know, emphasis on wanting electricity 24-7, living in an air-conditioned home when we could sit sure. outside in a beautiful breeze, mm. wanting to consume more things when our lives become less important. So I think that for me, being a climate activist is really about how do we address and put to the forefront environmental issues that are affecting our daily lives and we don't even realize it. How do we connect the dots? Mm. When I talk about I'm very passionate about food security and agriculture mm-hmm. and linking African women into the yes. agricultural system Thank as you. part of a bigger uh, proportion stakeholder, mm-hmm. not just women who are working on farms. Women must own those farms. Like women that. must be at the forefront yeah. of, you know, the, the coffee industry, the cocoa industry, the tea industry, mm-hmm. tobacco industries. They shouldn't just be the ones that are doing the work. And if you look across our continent, this is the narrative. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that women have access to markets in this space because women are doing the work in, in these industries. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say is that agriculture, we're all linked to it. We don't have to be farmers. But every morning we get up and we have that cup of tea or coffee that gives us that kick and go. Yes. That cup of tea or coffee came from a farmer. Sure. That farmer is impacted by the drought or severe weather patterns, changing weather patterns. He is affected by um, access to markets mm. within the agricultural African space, fair trade, all these kinds of things linked back to us, the consumer, who have to pay a price for that coffee or that tea. Mm. We are the ones that dictate and drive local produce. Are we supporting local farmers? Are we? Do we pay attention to the fine print mm. on the label when we're buying our tomatoes, our bananas, when we're buying fruit out of season? Mm. 
that food has a carbon footprint before we've even taken it home. Well, okay, so you're going to have to possibly explain that to me a little bit more. Like sure. when you say about buying um, food out of season, because I'm possibly very guilty of this. Like there's certain fruits and vegetables when I want, I want, you know, out season. <laughs> you know, but if you could just enlighten us a little bit more where that's concerned. Absolutely. So if we had to support local farmers mm. and local produce, we would be really rejuvenating our local economies. We would be driving economic growth where we are in our cities outside of our cities and in our local communities as a country however we create this demand for fruit and veg out of season um, for example if you wanted mangoes outside of summer <laughs> oh my god sadly is, you're talking about me I'm feeling guilty <laughs> Sadly, strawberries. If you wanted these things yeah. outside of season, you'd probably go to your local, uh, you know, supermarket, and yeah. you'd be able to find them. The scary thing is, though, that those fruits are coming in from a European country, perhaps sure. another African country. Therefore, they have a carbon footprint before they've reached you. The likelihood that the nutrition value in those fruits and veg are what they would be if they were local is probably a lot less as well because they've had to freeze them, they've had to transport them and they've probably had to pick them early in order for them to be transported, packaged and stored um, and refrigerated somewhere. So if we had to cut out those extra needs we have and instead enjoy the fruits and veg of the season, we would be able to support more local farmers, therefore rejuvenating a new economy within our direct circles, food would have less of a carbon footprint. Transport costs would be less. Our fruit and veg would then cost less. But we have a desire. Today we wake up and we feel like a mango shake or we feel like putting berries in our fruit bowl, mm. whatever it might be. Instead of looking, what other things do we have it during this that kind of season that we yeah. could enjoy? And we become pretty spoiled. We become spoiled, yeah. we become lazy and we have not thought further than that kind mm. of that frame and that paradigm. What is put on the shelves, we buy. We don't look at the packaging. That packaging, where does it go? We have a campaign sure. that's called Waste Stops With Me. Yeah. And this is to drive home to the individual. Where does this bottle of water go when I'm done? When I finish a sandwich that I've opened, I throw that plastic container away. Where does it go to? Waste Stops With Me as an individual. I can be a part of the solution of the massive waste problem we face in this very city, in this very country, on our continent. We need to address waste by reusing, you know, re-looking, re-appreciating, respecting the fact that our landfills are full, are full and we don't have space in Johannesburg for new landfills, yet we can go into when we're buying fruit and veg. If we, every single person who was conscious asked the manager of a store, could we please bring our own container? Could we rather have a big... Uh, sort of like know, when you go to a market. Exactly. Yeah, concept. like when you go to a market and you just, you take, you know, your container yes. and you kind of just like pick what it is that you need and you go home with it. It's exactly that. Of it that way. If yeah. we had to do that, I guarantee you for everyone who does not recycle at home, challenge yourself, take one weekend, mm. take one thing, be it plastic and take a, a cardboard box from somewhere. Everyone's got cardboard boxes, even at work, get a old Typec paper box, whatever it might be, and try and collect all your, your plastic waste. Just over that weekend, you will be shocked at how much plastic we actually are throwing away. And where does it go? Most often to a landfill because we're not actually recycling. There are bylaws that will come into play next year. However, we don't appreciate the world we live in unless it 
really hits at our pocket. And we shouldn't live that way. We should be changing the paradigm. We should be thinking differently at the kind of world we want to live in and the kind of lives we want to leave behind for generations to follow. Sure. And talk to me a little bit about um, Waste Stops With Me, that campaign, if you could just expand on it a bit. Waste Stops With Me really came out of you know, a lot of the environmental work that we were doing as an organization through the Miss Earth Leadership Program, we were doing cleanups across the country. We would make them fun. We would try to engage communities, get communities involved. And over different environmental days of importance, we'd have a cleanup. And this was really a concept people were not too sure of, but we got people doing it. And over a period of 10 years, we did cleanups across South Africa. Earlier, in around 2015, early 2016, we saw a massive strike of Pick It Up, where strikers, the yeah, workers striked. That, that, yeah. The city became filled I with waste. Our bins were quite, overflowing. Yeah. From that, as an organization, we said, well, how do we address this? Mm. Because our, you know, public servants will go on strike. This will not be the first, it's not the last, and it will happen again. But how do we address the problem of waste? And if we could drive home that people need to rethink their waste and rethink what it is that they're throwing away every time we consume something, we go to the shops and for 40 cents, oh, what's 40 cents? But 40 cents every single time you go and you take a plastic bag. You're making me feel so guilty. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) yeah. But we make that decision. Yeah. Do we take that plastic bag? Even if we pay, I have to pay. Sometimes I don't have an extra bag in my car and I pay that 40 cents. But I go and pack whatever it was. I take that plastic bag, put it in my handbag and drop it in my car the next time I'm there. Mm. These are the things we can do to minimize waste Mm. in our daily lives. Straws. Straws are an absolute menace to our environment. Mm. We sit here in Johannesburg. We can go to a coffee shop, a restaurant, and automatically a straw will come with your drink Mm. if it's a cold drink. We either leave the straw half opened on the table and it gets thrown away or we use it for the 20 minutes we're drinking whatever it might be and then it gets thrown away however this item gets picked up by the wind that plastic straw that you drank from here in Johannesburg can land up in a sea mammal in the ocean off Mm. of the cape when 